I um, am really not sure who thought this would be a good idea, um, but they asked, and I said, okay, and I thought somewhere around 10 o'clock at night, when you get a little nervous, it would not be okay to call and say, I'm out, so, so we're just going to, we're going to do this, okay? Um, I am so, I feel so very privileged to be up here in front of all of you this morning. Um, you have, I'm not from Louisville, but this church family has become my home, and and I love you all so very much, and I feel so very honored not only to be here and to speak in front of you, but also to be in this Pastor Dan pulpit, which, you know, he's, he's pretty, this is his pulpit. So I feel very honored to be up here. And um, so let's, let's just pray together this morning. God, I just, I thank you for this privilege that I have. And so this morning, Lord, I just ask that your spirit would just move in and through me, and Lord, that, that your words would come out of my mouth, and God, as we read your word and we look at your scripture, that it would cut us right to the heart, and Lord, that we would be a changed people, and that we would hear from you this morning, and we might draw closer to you and be challenged by you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so this morning we're going to talk about vision and not the kind of like, I have a vision, not that kind of thing. We're going to talk about superheroes and x-ray vision. And there's this thing out there about um, Superman or Batman. How many would be Superman people? How many are Batman people? Well, for myself, I, I love me a good superhero movie. I love, I love the thought of superheroes. I think it's fun. Um, for myself, I just, even though Hollywood has portrayed Batman so very cool, like the outfits and the gadgets and the Batmobile and all of those things, I just am not sure how you can top flying. I'm just not sure how that can be topped. And the fact that Superman can just fly around or, or run super fast or any of those things, that seems way cooler to me than Batman. So I'm sorry I have to be a Superman fan. And so in being a Superman fan... Um, one of the things Superman has is, is x-ray vision. And with his x-ray vision, he can see through this wall, see right up into the parsonage up there, and know whether Pastor Sammy left his shoes on the floor or they shouldn't or not. And you could see right into there, that kind of thing. This x-ray vision, it's completely it's not real. It's completely not from this earth. Superman's an alien, so he can do things that other people can't, Batman can't. <clears throat> so let us look at an, our natural human world, because we are not aliens, we're not Superman. Let's talk about our vision. I was in third grade when I got glasses, and I remember um, being completely and utterly devastated that I was going to have to get glasses. I mean, it messed me up for months. And um, it was so bad when I got glasses that I, I wasn't real sure. I could read the E at the top, but after that I was lost. And so I'm not sure what that makes me um, as far as the charts and that kind of thing. I don't necessarily understand it, but I don't think it's real good. And so I, d I do wear contacts and glasses, <clears throat> but if I did not have those things, I'd be in big trouble. And so I was doing a little research about vision, and, and in our 
in America here, 2200 vision is considered legally blind. So I don't even know what any of that means, but I looked it up. And so basically what we're saying, are we saying the stage is about 20 feet? I'm not real good at that kind of thing either. Guys, 20 feet about somewhere, give or take, okay? Basically, if you put a big old Louisville leopard sign over on that wall, and I was standing 20 feet away, somebody who has 2200 vision, um, they can see and read the Louisville leopard sign, but somebody with good vision, perfect vision, 2020 could see it at 200 yards okay so yeah but i gotta be 20 feet away and they're 20 yards away so so which is half the length of a football field or give or take so <laughs> we're doing approximations because i'm a girl and i <laughs> that whole feet thing i don't we're we're working in approximations okay so um so i want you to Keep in mind this morning, we are going to talk about x-ray vision compared to being basically legally blind. And all the things that being legally blind without corrective lenses, without glasses, we would be unable to do. Drive, read, walk around our house without bumping into walls. Those are things that we could not do with that kind of vision. So um, my husband and I, um, Tim will be speaking some point and and when he was asked to speak um he goes god gave me a word i mean we're like talking like two days later god gave me a word i thought i got nothing i got nothing weeks go by i'm like he's god gave me a word and his passion is building inside of him I'm like, okay great um so i've been reading through the bible um I, I want to get it done in a year before you think more highly of myself than you ought. That's not, I'm not real good at that super consistent chunk all the time. And so I feel this is a thing I need to do for my own self to develop some discipline in my life. Um, and when I got to Joseph, and I was reading about Joseph, because you know you read him about January. Reading about Joseph, I just kept going back, and I didn't want to keep reading all the other stories. I wanted to read Joseph all over again, and keep reading Joseph, and read more about Joseph. And, and so this, this has become a word that has been, been just burning in my heart, and I really, I really believe that this morning God has some things that he wants to teach us and challenge us about the life of Joseph that will help us go through the things in our life. So, Joseph it is. So if you would turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 37, I'm not sure how many of you out here know the story of Joseph. I would think if you grew up in church for any length of time, you would have heard about Joseph and his famous coat, um, the coat of many colors. We even wrote a musical about him. So even if you didn't grow up in church, if you saw the musical um, and his coat of many colors, you'll know some things about Joseph. <clears throat> I do want to challenge you, if you do not know the story of Joseph, Genesis 37 through chapter 45 is a very good story to read. So the very first thing I figure we probably ought to talk about is Joseph's coat. I mean, we did have a musical after it, so we might as well talk about the coat. Genesis chapter 37, verse 3. Joseph, a young man of, a young man of 17, 17, God uses young people. 
Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah and his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. And now Israel loved Joseph more than any of the other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. That's all the words we've got, a richly ornamented robe. And if those three words sure didn't shape what we know about Joseph and build up this whole big, really huge thing all over an ornamented robe. So if we look at what the coat was back in those times, back in those times, your coat, your cloak, that was for, um, it was for useful, purposeful reasons. Now, ladies... We might have ourselves several coats. This one goes with this outfit. This one goes, this is when it's dressy. This is when I'm going to go sled riding. This one is for this. They didn't have any of that then. Your cloak was for protection. It was for working out in the fields. It had a very specific purpose. The only people in those times who wore a coat that was hugely ornamented, colorful, uh, decorated, would have been royalty, or those very close to royalty. So the fact that Joseph was given a coat like that, it said an awful lot in those days. Um, we, there are many things in Scripture that we don't know all the details about, but if we put our you know, really use our minds, we can, we can imagine some things. And so I imagine this spot up here where it talks about Joseph tending the flocks, it's the only place that we see it talked about Joseph tending the flocks. So Joseph being born in his father's old age, I would imagine him in his fancy coat probably did not go out in the fields as many times as his brothers went out in the fields and tended the sheep. I would imagine, now this may not be completely true, so we're not going to take this as complete scripture, but I, what I envision is, I envision Joseph spending a little bit more time with dad, a little bit more time with Jacob, sitting at his feet, listening to his stories. I mean, for let's remember, Jacob is the man who wrestled with God. Jacob is the one through the promise that was going to be fulfilled from Abraham. So I imagine Joseph sat at his father's feet and his father taught him. I mean, Jacob was an old man now, and so he had the time to pour into his son and to talk with him and, 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 and give the things of God and pour those things into him. And we even see another place in Scripture where Joseph was with his father, and his father said, why don't you go out to your brothers who are tending the sheep? He wasn't with them. He was with his father. So I imagine that's the kind of life that Joseph led. And that being said, if we were going to liken Joseph as being someone who has x-ray vision, which we're going to look a little bit, a little bit down the road of, this is when those things are being developed in him. Young man, 17 years old, he's learning the things of God. Now let's look at his brothers. Verse 4. When his brothers saw their father loved him more than, more than any of them, they hated him. They could not speak a kind word to him. Now you might be sitting there and you might feel sorry for the brothers. I, I do. Um, it's, it's not, doesn't seem right, doesn't feel fair that a father would 
favor one child over another. Um, But despite all of that, we are going to compare this morning Joseph and his brothers and how they viewed the things happening in their life. And because of how they viewed the things and what kind of vision they had in the things that are going on in their life, how their outcomes were completely different based upon how they viewed the things going on around them. So, so here's the brothers. Their jealousy instantly, it didn't even say they were jealous. It instantly turned to hate. So jealous to hate. They couldn't even say one nice thing about Joseph. They were completely focused right in front of them, focused on what was happening to them and their selves. That's what they were focused on. So if you would turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. You probably want to stick your finger in Genesis 37, though. Colossians chapter 3. So if we look at Joseph and his brothers, now now let's look at ourselves. You see, we live in the natural world. The natural world. That's what we live in. But our God is a supernatural world, is a supernatural God, and he comes from a supernatural world. And it's hard for us to think about supernatural things because we're on earth and we're in the natural world. So the things that are supernatural of God, the miracles that Jesus did when he was here, the Jonah and the swallowing and the fish thing and the spitting out and he's still okay. All of those supernatural things are really hard for our natural mind to comprehend. In 2 Peter, it's talked about us being a, a royal priesthood and we are aliens here. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Even though we are here, we have made a decision and a choice. We have made a choice to be God's to be a part of a royal priesthood. We have made a a choice to serve him and to be his. And so we need to be careful that our minds don't have 2200 vision. We don't walk around and only see what is right in front of us. We have to keep our minds on Christ. We have to keep our mind on supernatural things or we are going to be destroyed. We are God's. We deserve to have a coat like the one that Jacob gave to Joseph because we are a part of a royal priesthood and we need to walk around in this life wearing our coat and wearing what God has given us and the the supernatural things that he has given us as we walk on through this life. Let's look at Joseph's dreams. Another thing, if you know anything about Joseph... You know that he was known as the dreamer, name given by his brothers, which I don't think they meant that very nicely. Genesis 37, 7. 
This is just one example of the gift that God gave Joseph. This is his first dream. And we're going to, he was still at that young age of 17. Verse 7 says, we were buying, this is him talking about his dreams. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly a sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. So let's just picture this 17-year-old. Who's 17? Which, David? No, how old are you? Oh, my. Well, anyway. Huh? For a day. You're 17 for a day? Okay, well, there we go. Allie, 17. Just imagine Allie going up to Connor and Cameron saying, guess what? I just had a dream. And in this dream, you bowed down to me. <laughs> they wouldn't take it too kindly. <clears throat> but Joseph, then he talked about the moon and the stars and them all bowing down to him. And, and, and uh, his father... The Bible says that his father said, you know, it's probably a father should do, now, now, are you, what, you know, the father was, Jacob was kind of like, now, Joseph, are you really saying we're going to bow down to you? Come on now. But the Bible also says that Jacob took it to heart. He, he put it on the shelf, and he kept it there, and he, he thought about it. Now, his brothers, his brothers, in verse 8, his brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Listen. <clears throat> do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Now we know the end of the story. And we know what, jo what Joseph had really experienced was a prophetic dream. He had experienced a dream given to him, a supernatural dream given to him by God about the future and about what was coming. Joseph didn't really know that was what it was. Jacob wasn't sure that's what it was, but, you know, he did have his moments with God, so he kind of tucked it up on a shelf. But his brothers recognized none of that, absolutely none of it. All they saw was, I hate you even more. Now you're just rubbing it in my face and dreaming about how much better you are. That's what you're doing. And that's all the brothers could see. All right, so what are we going to do with this information? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is a little bit of a superhero chapter. Now, we are in a Pentecostal church, so we do believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so let's, let's read about these gifts. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers. I do not want you to be ignorant. You know then... When you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I tell you, no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God, Jesus be cursed, can say to another, Jesus is Lord, except by the same Spirit. So there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. 
There are different kinds of working, but the same God works in all of them. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given a spirit, the Spirit, the message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge, by means of the same Spirit to another faith, by the same Spirit another gifts of healings, and by that one Spirit to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues, And all of these are works of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one as he determines. So, me being a fan of superheroes, I like this chapter. And so if if God is my God, and I belong to him, and he has said in his word, that these gifts are for me and for my children, then let's have them. Let's have them. And then the next scriptures are talking about the body. When it talks about the body, how it fleshes out for us here is this, this body of Christ here in our local level, this body of Christ. And so what would happen if as a church, we as a group of of already known we are children of God, begin seeking the Holy Spirit and begin seeking the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And God begins to, to give, it says right here, and he gives them to each one as he determines. And God begins to start giving out gifts of his spirit in the midst of this body. And, and he starts giving them to each one. What kind of massive forced to be reckoned with kind of church body would we be if we would walk around with gifts of healing and prophecy and message of wisdom and and as a body it talks about how each part is needed and so so we put the ones who who have message of knowledge and wisdom will you come over in here and help us plan the calendar and in you with gifts of healing we're going to have a we're going to have a special service, and we're going to need you to be at that. And, and, and we start placing people with their supernatural gifts given by God. We start placing them in different places around this church. Then people will come here. People will be drawn here. We won't have to advertise anything on the sign. We won't have to do anything because the supernatural power of God is known to be in this place. And we will go out from this place and with, with things that people on this earth do not have. And they will be drawn to this. So just as, it, it's just like Joseph, it's kind, of a, it's kind of a creepy thing. It's weird. But if we can keep our minds on things of God, knowing that he is a supernatural God, we might be able to accept the supernatural things and that God could possibly maybe be wanting to use us if we can keep our minds on him. Now, Joseph and his brothers, I mean, Joseph's brothers, they, um, they saw something happening in Joseph and they just shot it down. Even his father, even though he put it aside, he shot it down. After Corinthians chapter 12, the very next chapter that Paul talks about to the Corinthians is the love chapter. 
And it talks about, here's all these spiritual gifts and all these spiritual gifts, but let me show you the greater way. If we can, as a church, make sure that when, when one is given a gift and when another isn't, make sure that we are walking in love so we don't fall into a trap like Joseph's brothers did, where they are so nearsighted, they, are so, they can't see in front of them, that they become jealous, then turns to hate, and it turns to all the other things that they did. So, some of us, maybe we're already walking in some gifts God's given us. The Bible says to, to seek the greater gifts. Some of us need to do some seeking. Some of us, maybe we, we don't feel worthy. But I just want us to be challenged this morning. God says it, let's, let's seek after those things. Okay, next one. Temptation. The temptation that presented itself before Joseph. Yet another thing that we, that sticks out to us about him. In case you don't know anything about Joseph. Joseph, after he had these dreams, his brothers hated him so much that they threw him in a pit. Then they decided to sell him into slavery. Then they killed an animal, messed his whole coat up, went home and lied to dad and said, animal got him sorry and showed him the coat his father was completely distraught so joseph joseph now has been sold as a slave into the country of egypt the country of egypt at this time and and what's going on they are complete what what would be called pagans they know nothing of god they don't know of of joseph's god they don't know of jacob's god or of abraham or isaac's god so Joseph is, is been sold to a man named Potiphar. And everywhere that Joseph went from, well, I guess from the beginning, but even from this point on, God's hand is on him. And God puts favor on Joseph everywhere that he goes. And so in this household, he is second to none in this household. And he is in charge of all the things in this household, even though he was sold as just a mere slave. He was exalted up to a high place in this home. <clears throat> as he was there, and the Bible tells us that Joseph was a handsome man. He was a hunk. And so as he was there, um, the master Potiphar, his wife, she propositioned Joseph. She thought he was a hunk too. But we know that what Joseph said, and this is one of the things that I was reading through, this was one of the things that stuck in my mind. Not only did Joseph say, um, let, let me just read it, because really, why, why say it my own self when you can read it, right? Then you know it's true. Genesis 39, 9. This is what Joseph says back to Potiphar's wife. He says, no one is greater in this house than I. My master has withheld nothing from me except for you. How then could I do such a, because you are his wife. But he doesn't say, I would never do that to my master. That's not what he says. My, I'm loyal to him. That's not what he says. He says, how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? So here's Joseph at 17, pulled from his country, from his family, the only God-fearing people that he knows, thrown into a pagan country, and 
he still cares about God's law. He still cares about sinning against his God. Not only does he still care about it enough to run out of the house, leaving his coat. He must have a coat thing. He leaves out of the house, leaving his coat, but enough to voice it out of his mouth to a woman who doesn't even understand who God is or what sinning against God would even be. Joseph had to have had some sort of deep understanding about who God was and what it meant to sin against him and had a healthy fear that he did not want to do that, even in the midst of his circumstances. So let's look at his brothers there for a second. His brothers also had a temptation brought before them. In Genesis 37, 19, when I told you Joseph had come to the field, they said, here comes the dreamer. They said to each other, come, let us kill him and throw him in one of the cisterns and say a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. So here comes Joseph all alone. And what did their brothers do? They had no concern for Joseph. They had absolutely no concern for their father and what that would do to him. And they absolutely had zero regard for God, his law, and the sin that they might, by, by being jealous, by murdering, and then lying about it. They only thought about themselves. They could only see right in front of them. Here comes this dreamer, and he's rubbing it in our face again. That's all they thought about. So what about us? I don't feel that maybe very many of you are in danger of turning to murder. But that first one might trip us up, a little bit of jealousy. Psalm 119 is a, is a, is, if you were in JBQ, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. And you would know that if, with that question. Psalm 19 is, is, a, is a chapter that just talks about God's law and his word. And we live in the day and age, we have the entire word. We have all of it. That's a blessing, I feel. Verse 9 tells us, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to the word. Let's look at verse 94. Really, any part that you read in this chapter, there are so many things that talk about God's word. And even though Joseph did not write this, well, he could have said it. Save me, verse 94, 119.94. Save me, for I am yours. I have sought your precepts. The wicked are waiting to destroy me, but I will ponder your statutes. So let's think about that a moment. The person who wrote this. The wicked are waiting to destroy me. And what are you doing? Reading the law of God. But I ponder your statutes. I might run if the wicked were waiting to destroy me. I might do lots of other things before that one there. 
To all perfection I see a limit, but your commands are boundless. Oh, how I love your law. Love your law. That's not necessarily a thing you might see go together a lot. I love the law. I love the rules. They're great. I love the law. If you love God, you will love his law. You can show love to God by loving the law. Verse 103 says, How sweet your words are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. Verse 112 says, My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. When we think of x-ray vision, x-ray vision is something that can see through. See through things. If we can see through our circumstances, see through the things we are, that are going on around us, see through the very ungodly world that we live in, enough to know that if I can just hide God's word in my heart, if I can just love God's word, if I can just put it in my spirit, make it a part of me, if I can just do that, then I know whenever any temptation comes before me, whenever things are, are coming after me, when the wicked are coming after me, if I can hide his word, then I will be able to dig deep and pull that out and say, no, I am a child of God. No, I will not do that when temptation comes before us. So Joseph, uh, you know, his, his story sounds very um, sad. It sounds very, not very promising. After he fled Potiphar's house, after being accused of something he didn't do, she cried to her husband and said, he tried to come after me. So right there and then he got thrown into prison. Thrown into prison. This poor kid's already been in a pit. And now he's in prison for something he did not do. And he didn't need to be in the pit in the first place because he didn't do anything then either. So here he is in prison, and you know the story. While he was there, he met a couple of other prisoners. He interpreted some of those dreams. So his gift has now developed into not only as he had some dreams, but he has now been given the ability to interpret other people's dreams. And so... So while he's there, he meets a couple other prisoners, the cupbearer and the baker, and he interprets their dreams, and, and one of them dies, and one of them gets brought back to Pharaoh's, um, Pharaoh's court, and he says, don't forget about me. So, of course, he did. The cupbearer did forget about Joseph, and while he's there, um, after a couple of years, Pharaoh has a dream. Now, Pharaoh is... In Egyptian culture, he, he is like a god. He is Pharaoh. There is none higher than he. But he also does not serve our god. As in Egyptian culture, there are many, many, many gods. So Pharaoh has this dream, and he calls anybody who's anybody 
that is any kind of spiritualness to them at all and says, I need you to interpret this dream. I've now had it twice, and it must mean something. I need you to interpret this dream. Nobody could. Nobody could even understand. I mean, from my perspective, if I was working underneath Pharaoh and I couldn't interpret the dream, at least I'd try to make something up because it probably didn't go very well for him. But nobody could interpret the dream. So then Joseph was plucked out of prison. He interpreted Pharaoh's dream. And if you read, I I don't have this written down, but later if you could read, when he goes into Pharaoh's court, he interprets the dream. He is so bold. So here's a prisoner, the lowest, talking to the highest in the land. He interprets the dream, and then he tells him what to do. You know what? What you need to do is you need to do this, this, and this, and just tells Pharaoh what he needs to do. I mean, that's pretty bold to to have that kind of confidence. But you know what? He had that kind of confidence because because Joseph saw beyond the situation and he was working in the supernatural power of God. And he was able to just stand before the, the mighty Pharaoh and to just tell him all that he needed to know. At that moment, and the story of Joseph is, is so great and long, but at that moment he's put second to Pharaoh. No one is higher than Joseph in the land. He's in charge because there's going to be a famine for seven years, and this, or uh, there's going to be good crops for seven years in abundance, and then there's going to be a famine for seven years. And so Joseph is put in charge of all of it. You are in charge of everything. Pharaoh said, you're my man. You're, you have to be up here. Get, get some robes on him. Put the finest robes on him. There's the coat thing again. And, and stick him right in charge of everything. And so sure enough, he did. Well, all the land all around besides just Egypt is having the famine. And so in the midst of all of that, back at home, Jacob and his sons are starving to death or getting close to. And they hear, by chance, there's food in Egypt. There's food in Egypt. Well, boys, you pack up your camels and you better get going to Egypt because we need some food. So as they do that, Joseph realizes these are my brothers here from home in Egypt bowing down to me, which is fulfilling the dream, bowing down to me and begging for me to give them food. Well, we can make this long story a little bit shorter. And, and, you know, Joseph sent him home with food, had them bring his younger brother Benjamin back, and they made a couple different trips back and forth. And what we're going to look at here in, in Genesis 45, verse 4, we're going to look at the big reveal. You know, we have, we have um, TV shows out there that do big reveal kind of thing. This is Joseph's big reveal. He asked everybody to be out of the room. It was just him and his brothers. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were Joseph, I might ask everybody to get out of the room, and it'd be me and my brothers, but I had some different things to say than what Joseph said to his brothers. I have one brother, and I probably would have said some other things. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother, Joseph, the one you sold to Egypt. And now do not be distressed. So he says to them, look, it's me. 
it's me. After all these years, I'm the one. Don't be distressed. That's what he says. Don't be distressed. And do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been a famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and save the lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but it was God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord over this entire household and ruler of all of Egypt. Joseph had a light bulb come on, an aha moment. Ah, this is why. And so I, I, I added everything up, and we're talking approximately about 13 years later from the time Joseph left and was sold into slavery until this aha moment that Joseph had. And, and he is so excited about what God has revealed to him that he says, don't, don't worry. Don't you worry. I am not angry. Don't you be angry. It was God. Ah, oh, this whole time it was God. And, and to be able in that moment where you realize what is God, to be able to say, I kept God's law. I, I remained faithful to God. I did not sin against him. I, I, I moved in gifts he gave me. To be able to at that moment say, yes, isn't that what our lives are supposed to be? By the time we get down to the end of our life and we stand before God, that's what we want to be able to, to have and to be able to say. So let's look at his brothers for a second. And in this whole moment of Egypt... Again, they were so very focused on, we're at home and we're starving. Dad sent us here. We got we to kneel before this guy. They're so very um, consumed with the fact that one of them had to go to prison because, because they didn't bring their brother with them and will keep you as you know, collateral and, and bring the brother. They were so consumed with what was going on with them, they totally failed to see Joseph. They failed to see any of it. Again, they walked around with their vision of just the circumstances going around them, and they failed to see Joseph. <clears throat> Proverbs 19.21 says, <clears throat> Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Ephesians 1.9 and he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment. And you know, if you look through scripture, I don't know who you are necessarily. I know you a little bit here at church. I don't know all the things that you've gone through in your life. I don't know what kind of upbringing you've had. But you know, God specializes in making the nobodies somebody. You look all through scriptures, it's all through scripture. God just seems to like to do that. So I don't know if you're sitting where you are and you're thinking about, about who you are and thinking that you're a nobody. Well, God can turn you into somebody and do awesome and amazing things. He is no respecter of persons. 
and, and he has a mighty plan for us. <clears throat> but we need to keep our minds on things that are eternal and keep our minds focused on Christ and the supernatural things. Romans 8.28 says, We know all things. God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. purpose. All things. It may seem like a horrible, horrible thing, but God is God, and he can take whatever he wants and turn it for good. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We have to keep our eyes fixed on what is unseen. Because what we see out here, it's not real pretty. Do you know what Pharaoh said when Joseph came into his court and he interpreted the dream and told Pharaoh what he needed to do? Told him, God wanted you to know this. Joseph said, God wanted Pharaoh to know these things. He said it twice. And do you know what Pharaoh said? In chapter 41, Pharaoh said, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Can we find anyone in this whole land, one in whom is the Spirit of God? And you know, when we get up and go to work, get up and take care of the kids, all the things we have to do in a day, it's hard to walk around with the Spirit of God in us because those things cloud our minds. They cloud our vision. But I want to walk around recognized not because of great things in me, but because of his spirit in me. I want people to recognize she has the spirit of God on her. She's got something. There's something about her, and it's the spirit of God. And if we can just do that, work in the gifts of his spirit, obey his law, and keep our eyes on Christ. Wes, if you want to come and your team come back up, if we could just do that, it doesn't matter what's happening in our government. It doesn't matter what's happening around us. It doesn't matter what's happening in our families because the Spirit of God on us is on us and God can take all things, anything that He chooses and work it for good. So this is, this is the story of Jacob or of Joseph that was just, I just kept, I don't know, for weeks I've been saying to Tim, I'd say, did you know Joseph this or this or this? Did you know this? Did you? And of course, Tim's like, yeah, I knew that. So, because <laughs> he knows a lot of stuff. But, but I am challenged by his life. I am challenged. And I, I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know if you're in the midst of a, 
of if you're in the pit. I don't know if that's where you are. I don't know if you're in a place where you feel God is doing something in you and, and developing a spiritual gift in you and people are not receiving it. I don't know if that's where you are. I don't know if you are in a place where you're all alone and you feel like you're just out there by yourself. Wherever you are, keep your eyes on God. Ask him to give you gifts. Lord, just give me gifts so people can know I have your spirit about me because they're stuck in this natural world. They're stuck here, and I, I know that I am a child of the king, and I am a super, I, I am a part of a supernatural kingdom. And I just want everyone to know. Just want everyone to know. And so, so I just, I told Tim, I said, I, I'm not even sure how to, to how to end this service. So, so if you would just play a song, and and you know, when we stand before God, it's just us and God. So, so I just want you to just close your eyes and just wherever you are, God knows you better than anybody else. He made you, and he made every part of you. He knows everything about you. And so just just us between God, whatever challenge he brought before you, whatever thing he wants you to do, if it's to, to sacrifice for him, if it's because temptations have been coming before you and you feel you just need to surrender before God. Wherever you are, God wants to meet you because you are special. You are a child of the King. You've been listening to a sermon from Louisville First Assembly. For more information, visit www.firstagonline.com. That's www.firstagonline.com.